I would ask you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to have the text on the screen, but it's mighty small. If you can see that Colossians 2 written in a text underneath that title there, you'll be okay. But that's going to be really small. And as always, there is a Bible app event for this, and you can follow along that way. I'll have the scripture in that. I'd really like you to see the words uh, in the text uh, one way or the other, however that works best for you. We're going to be spending this Sunday morning, we're going to be spending uh, um, this Thanksgiving sermon in this passage in Colossians 2. And I just want to begin with what's on the screen there. Why are we thankful? What is thankfulness? And if you're a parent, I know that you have said a sentence kind of like this one. Billy, tell grandpa thank you, right? That's just something you say to little children. We teach our children that kind of social mores, that social interaction. We teach them their manners to be polite. But what if we reversed it? What if, what if the sentence was like this? Grandpa, tell Billy thank you. <laughs> that just feels kind of weird, doesn't it? I feel like forcing an adult to be thankful is awkward for several reasons. One, we kind of uh, expect that as people grow up, they just learn the social skill of expressing thanks. Grandpa's old enough to know to say thank you. And, and second, we know that thankfulness is something that is just part of good manners, and you're taught that in childhood. So if Grandpa hasn't learned it by now, whose job is it to tell him? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's mine. And third, and this is one I want you to think about, we know that demanding someone be thankful, forcing someone to be thankful, is a little bit like demanding someone fall in love. Because thankfulness is something that comes from within. And if Grandpa doesn't get that, well... Yeah, it's awkward. Thankfulness is really a heart response to a blessing that you have received. That's not a bad sentence. Let's make it better. Thankfulness is a response of a heart that realizes value of the blessing it's received. And so thankfulness actually flows from us naturally whenever we've received something of value. As I I speak to you this Sunday before Thanksgiving, I'm not here to tell you, Make sure you say thank you. I'm not here to kind of do that. I'm just here today to help you see what you have been given and recognize the value of what you have been given because I feel like that thankfulness will flow from you if we do that. So to do that, we're going to spend some time in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. I'm just going to read these uh, maybe 10 verses to you right now. Verse 6 says, and and. Hang on, before I read it, let me just mention this. This is a man named Paul who is writing to a group of Christians in a city called Colossae. They are Colossians. He planted churches all over that region, and he's sending them these letters so they can understand what it means to follow Jesus. And as he sends those letters, the Spirit of God is breathing these words, and we have them today as the inspired Word of God. Colossians 2, starting at verse 6. So then, just as you have received Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Do you see that phrase? Overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captives through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. 
He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the legal, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, these words that we just read, they give us a number of reasons to be thankful. And as we realize the value of the blessings we've received, we overflow with thankfulness. Let's kind of uncover some of the reasons we have to be thankful. And, and there are a lot of them. There are a lot more than the half dozen I'm going to give you today. But we need to be out because the Steelers are going to be playing uh, this evening. So we have to be finished up by then, right? Right from the top, the very first verse that we read, told us we should be thankful, we can be thankful, because Christ gives us life. Look, if you have turned away from your selfishness, from your sin, and you have placed your trust in Jesus' work on the cross, he has made you alive. In John chapter 5, verse 11, one of Jesus' disciples, John, it's actually 1 John, one of Jesus' disciples, John, is writing. And listen to what he says. He says, and this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have the life. And then because John wants you to be absolutely certain that as you trust in Christ, you have eternal life, he adds these words. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you're trusting in Christ, You're alive, not just physically. You are spiritually alive to God. We read it minutes ago. In chapter 2, verse 6, So then it says, Just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Those last five words of that. Did you see that? It says, Live your lives in Him. Finding life in Christ, being made alive in Christ, affects how you live. I'm really thankful for the number of books that have come out recently regarding heaven. And probably the most complete that I've ever read is Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Uh, He really covers things well. I learned a lot reading that book. It's probably the most complete I've seen. But it's important to realize that the main thrust of Christian faith isn't to ensure your passage to heaven. Christian faith is a way of living now, from here on into eternity. It's living differently than you would have if you hadn't met Jesus. That's why Jesus compares it to being born again. He says you must be born again. And it's a lifestyle of loving God and loving others. The greatest commandments, according to Jesus. And those things spring from a heart of thanksgiving. Believers overflow with thankfulness because Christ has given us life. Another reason that we're thankful is because 
Christ gives us strength. Human beings are really kind of amazing if you think about it. We have a strength built into us. You read stories about people overcoming odds. You read stories about them enduring great hardship or standing up to oppression. And, and you marvel. When God made humankind, He did some of His best work. In fact, when He gets to the end of creation, on that sixth day, He creates humankind. Every day before that, He said, the Lord saw that it was good. The Lord saw that it was good. But when He gets to that one, He says, the Lord saw that it was very good. Humankind, that maybe the pinnacle of creation. And you can see that God has given us, just as human beings, a sort of built-in strength. But beyond that, this text tells me Christ makes you even stronger. He gives you an increased ability to be strong in, in difficult times. The very next verse, verse 7 says, We are rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in a faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted in Him, strengthened in a faith, overflowing with thankfulness. Those, those words, those phrases are kind of tied together. Jesus uses this phrase in John chapter 15 when he's talking with his disciples. He talks about abiding in him. The New International Version, which I respect, uses the word remaining in him. Other translations use the word abiding in him. I actually prefer the word abiding because it has, to me, a stronger sense of being there with him. When you're reading it, let me just read it to you from the English Standard Version. It says in John 15, 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. But when you abide in him as a branch, you have all the nutrients you could hope for. All you will ever need. You have everything you need for life and godliness because you're rooted in Christ and he makes you stronger. He goes on saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he's like, he, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers. And branches are gathered together and thrown into the fire and burned. Nobody wants to be that kind of branch. Nobody has to be that kind of branch. Because when you abide in Christ, you are strengthened. And believers have life. They have the built-in strength that came from being created by God in His image. And then we have this increased strength from being rooted and grounded in Him, strengthened in a faith, as we were taught, that makes us overflow with thankfulness. And I see that all the time. I see people who go through very difficult times in their life, and they say this sentence to me again and again and again. When I'm standing there beside them in the midst of their suffering, they say, I don't, I don't say it to them, they say, I can't imagine how I would handle this if it weren't for Jesus. Because He strengthens us. And that is something to overflow with thankfulness about. So yeah, Christ gives us life. Christ makes us stronger. Christ makes our faith meaningful and gives it substance because of who he is. We give thanks because our faith object has substance. Not just our faith that has substance. I don't give thanks because, man, I got a lot of faith. I give thanks because of what my faith is in, rather who my faith is in. He is one of substance. So how's the mic doing this morning? It's doing good? Yeah, that's great. 
If you were paying attention a few weeks ago, you know we were having trouble with this mic. And in different services, I would want to give it another run because we tweaked something. And I would put it on and I would say intentionally, I have faith that this will work. And then it didn't work right. That's how it sounded, right? And then I would take it off. And if you were listening, you heard me say when I put the other mic on, you would hear me say the sentence, faith, it's only as good as the object into which you put it. You get the point? Yeah. Faith is only as good as the object into which you put it. And if you put your faith into a broken microphone system, it's still not going to work. I have several weeks of experience with that. Life lessons from electronics. The lesson's worthwhile. It's even important. You can have all the faith you want, but if your faith is not in something of substance, your faith is futile. The next verse in our passage, verse 8 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Do you see people that have put their faith into deceptive philosophy or human tradition or elemental spiritual forces? I'm sure you have. I'm sure, I'm sure you have seen people do that. I know people who have bought into uh, atheistic humanism, into horoscopes, into the occult. You get the picture, right? By the way, I take serious issue with thinking that my destiny is enclosed in a crystal ball on a table at a county fair. <laughs> yeah. But this Jesus guy, oh, when your faith is in him, he is the one who made you. And when your faith is in him, he is the one who loves you and gave himself for you. And when your faith is in Christ, he is the one who overcame death and walked away on his two feet from the empty tomb. He is the one who causes your heart to overflow with thankfulness. Your faith has substance because of him. Here's a fourth reason to give thanks. Because Christ has power over everything. It's in the very next verse. Verse 9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Oh, those words. Those are important words. They tell us that Jesus is deity. Deity means God. Jesus is God. And he's the head of everything. Have you, uh, I see this on social media. (laughs) One of the necessary evils in my life is social media. Have you seen Christians who just seem to be alarmed about the end times? I mean, there's Christians who say, look, Jesus is coming back. And they're not being alarmed, but there's the other Christians who are like, huh, this is just kind of scary. What about this? It's not scary. It's not scary. If you're not a Christian, if you have not turned yourself toward Jesus and trusted in his death for the forgiveness of your sins, then yeah, you should be alarmed. But if you're following Jesus, there is no need to be alarmed. I'm not worried about the end times because I am trusting in the one who already won the war. Who already won the war. There's a really great verse about this. And <laughs> it's one of my favorite verses regarding the end times. It's in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It's verse 8. It's talking about the Antichrist. You know, he will be kind of the false Christ, the false Messiah. 
that will deceive the world. He's called in this passage the man of lawlessness. That's the title that he's given in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Listen to what it says about him. It says, and then the lawless one, the man of lawlessness, another translation would say, will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. Did you hear that? With the breath of his mouth and destroy with the splendor of his coming. The Antichrist, Satan's Superman, Jesus is literally going to blow him away. Gone. He will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth. So when I think about that, when I think about the end times, my, the words that come to my mouth, my head, my heart are, bring it. <laughs> bring it. I am so looking forward to that. The only thing that holds me back is those I know whom I love who have, not, who have not turned to Christ. But I know that God will give them every chance. Bring it. Because Jesus doesn't have to lift a finger. He just needs to breathe to win the war. Believers overflow with thankfulness because Christ has power over everything. And we're thankful because Christ even has the power to change us and does change us internally. Coming to Christ, turning your heart from evil and trusting his loving grace changes you. He changes you. It's in the very next verse. In verse 11, it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision that is not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. If you're in Christ, you're a different person than you once were. I am a drastically different person than I was 40 years ago. And anyone who has known me that long will say, thank God he's changed. Thank God he's changed. Following Christ has changed me. He has changed me. I'm not even the same person that I was before the pandemic in the before times because following Christ has changed me. He has changed me. And believers overflow with thankfulness because Christ changed them and continues to change them. And we are thankful because God has removed our guilt and shame. This might have been number one on my list. (laughs) Having my guilt removed, having my shame taken away. I was talking to a friend of mine about some things we'd done in the past. We were driving, uh, riding down the road, and uh, just having a talk. Bad things. Bad things that we'd both done in the past. And some people might have been listening in on that conversation and said, you know, that's not that big a deal. But my friend and I, we know better. <laughs> and as we were talking, kind of swapping those stories, he said to me, I really regret doing that. And I said the same thing. When I think back on that conversation, here's kind of what struck me. We were both genuinely regretful that we had done what we had done, but we didn't beat ourselves up about it because we found forgiveness at the cross of Christ. That doesn't mean we take sin lightly. It means we live our lives in gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness that we, that, that, that we have been forgiven. 
We see this concept in verse 13 where it says, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made them, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And for that reason, my buddy and I, we overflow with thankfulness. You have reason to overflow with thankfulness. Thankfulness is not something that you can force on another. Thankfulness is a response of the heart that realizes the value of a blessing received. And with that in mind, I kind of want to give you maybe some pointers, suggestions to help you overflow with thankfulness. The first one is this. Make yourself aware of what God has done. Read the Bible. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you've tried reading through the Bible and you got to Ezekiel, like, man, I just got stuck, skip Ezekiel. <laughs> okay? But just read, read the Bible. The Gospels are a great place to read because you can see the cool things Jesus did there. I remember the first time I read through the New Testament, it was when I was studying for ministry and you had to read through the New Testament. And I'm reading along and I literally had to stop sometimes and go down the hallway to another dorm room and say, this Jesus guy just rocks my world. He is so cool. I was overflowing with thankfulness. When you see what Jesus has done, your heart does respond with thankfulness. And think about what God has done for you in in the past. You know, about 125 years ago, there's this guy named Johnson Oatman Jr. Don't you wish your name was Johnson Oatman Jr.? It's kind of a cool name, right? This is uh, something he wrote. See if this sounds familiar. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you're discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. Here's what I didn't know until this week. That song was first published by Oatman in a children's songbook, a youth songbook. He, he never really liked that song a lot and never thought it would become anything like it has become. And the guy wrote a lot of songs. He wrote 5,000 songs. He was like the Johnny Cash of the 1800s in Christendom, right? Johnny Cash wrote like 5,000 songs. If you didn't know that, that might be one of the most important things you can hear today. <laughs> How in the world is that song that he wrote for a youth songbook 125 years ago, how does it become something that, that became a favorite hymn of the church in the last century? And I, I would say here's why. It is really important to open your eyes to what God has done. It's an important thing to do. Make yourself aware of what God has done, and thankness will overflow in your life. A similar piece of counsel I can give you is to repeatedly review the blessings that God has given you. You know, we do this every Sunday, right? We're doing it now. <laughs> we do it when we sing, singing praises uh, to God for how great he is and what he has given us. We do it when we pray, Trusting that the God who met our needs in the past will meet our needs in the present. We do it when we engage in looking at the Scripture in the sermon, hearing what God has to say from His Word regarding His thankfulness and the things He's given us. We do it every Sunday. 
we regularly review God's care for us. And thankfulness overflows. When you make yourself aware of what God has done, when you review his care over and over again, then you're really able to trust that God will be with you whatever is ahead. Whatever is ahead. Trusting that he is with you. A verse that speaks of that loudly to me. And it's come to my mind repeatedly in the past couple weeks. I'm not entirely sure why. It's Isaiah 41.10. Now, I'm not going to ask you to quote it. But when I say, Isaiah 41.10, is there anyone who says, I think maybe I know that verse or I've heard it. Yeah, there's one hand. I see that hand, (laughs) right? Okay, not a lot of us. This is worth memorizing. Listen to it. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Remember the King James, some of you might have learned it in that, says, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Hear it again. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That makes me overflow with thankfulness because I know he's there. You can force Billy to say thank you. And you may even be able to force Grandpa to say thank you to Billy. But you can't force either one of them to be thankful in their heart. You can't force any one of them to be thankful in their heart because thankfulness is a response of the heart that realizes the value of the blessing received. We've just talked about five or six of those blessings and how valuable they are. Make yourself aware of them all the time. Discover newly the things God has done and repeatedly review them. Review them. Review them. Review them. And trust that because of his faithfulness in the past, you can be thankful for what he'll do in the future. And when you do that, thankfulness will overflow from you naturally. I'm going to pray with you that you would be able to do that as you come toward this holiday. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for all the good things you do to us. And as we've listed just these few, we literally see how they are the tip of something much, much greater, the tip of the iceberg. Our hearts respond to you with joy, with thankfulness. May we consistently recite these blessings and may we faithfully trust your goodness in all our life. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, let's conclude our time singing, Come, ye thankful people, come.